Since I work with the uh, Christian organization, youth organization, every every year we have a lot of camps. So a lot of people come to our camps, and uh, when they hear the gospel, they give their lives to Jesus Christ, and there is this there there is a genuine transformation. But then two or three months later, down the lane, they slowly begin to go back to their old lives. And then after six months, when I meet them in their youth fellowships, it, it's almost like nothing happened to them. And a year later, they come back to our youth camps again, and it's the whole process again. They are into bad relationships, they are into areas where they are not supposed to be in, they are doing things that they are not supposed to do. So you wonder if a person is genuinely saved, genuinely born again, if something genuinely happened or not. And a lot of us do that. Let me ask you a question and then we will uh, go to the passage that we are going to meditate upon this evening. How many of you in the last one week did things that you knew you are not supposed to do? Okay, very good. How many of you, while doing those things, somehow God, through you, or through your conscience, through the word, through the pastor, some way, God convicted you that you are not supposed to do that? How many of you did not want to do it, but still ended up doing it? And how many of you, after doing it, felt, why did I do it? (laughs) So this is almost like a cycle that comes back to us, and we wonder if the power of gospel truly works or not. And as I was studying for my personal benefit, God spoke to me and I want to uh, share the same message that whatever God convicted me of. Today we are going to look at uh, Matthew chapter 16 and uh, look at nine questions, nine questions that, or rather eight questions that come from one main question. Therefore, nine questions are there. Jesus asked the disciples one question and from that question there are eight more questions that come out. So I am rather this evening going to call this message, Who do you say Jesus is? And we might think this has nothing to do with what we spoke thus far, but as we look into the scripture, we will understand. We will understand that, uh, you know, the answer to all the questions we have been talking so far is in that one question. Okay? So Matthew 16, shall we pray before we even read? Lord, we come to you just like we come to you every time we open the Bible. Today we ask you to please, once and for all, settle it in our minds as to why we go into this uh, cycle, the cycle of uh, falling, repenting, you know, coming back again and then being convicted of sin and again falling, repenting and coming back. We want to get out of this cycle and we want to grow in your grace as your word says. Holy Spirit God, I need your unction, all of us need your unction, both to speak and to hear your word. Please convict us this evening and let there be true transformation. The power of the gospel of Christ through thy spirit, uh, really breaking us from the old nature. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Matthew 16. Now, this is going to be, uh, since there are nine points, I want you to go with me through every verse. We are going to literally go through every verse and all the nine questions are there. Okay? And every question, remember, is uh, is a logical outflow of the previous question. Okay? So if you are able to get the first part very well, you will understand why all those eight questions come up. So let's look at Matthew 16, starting with the verse, starting from verse 13. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you Simon bar Jonah, which means son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the uh, from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. 
you are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father. And then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Interestingly, this is the first passage in the New Testament where Jesus spoke about the church. And can I just remind you, Jesus is not coming back for saved individuals. Jesus is coming back for a saved community. That is the church. The church is the bride for which Jesus is coming back. Which does not mean that individuals are not church. But he is coming back for a community. And therefore this, in, this uh, passage means a lot to the church itself. And therefore we are going to learn, rather look at nine questions that come out, or eight questions that come out of the one main question. Who do you say Jesus is? That's the title for this evening's meditation. But let's look at verse 13. Where is Jesus in verse 13? Caesarea. Who is he talking to? The disciples. What is he asking them? He is not saying who do you say, but what did he say? First question was who, what, what do people say I am? Who do people say I am? Now, why is Jesus asking this question in this particular place? Because the word Caesar Philippi is the place actually. Okay, if you read Acts, Paul goes there to uh, minister and they start a church there. But before Paul could go, Jesus went there, and this place is called Caesarea because in that place. Caesar, the emperor, was worshipped as God. Right? Most of the Greek kings were, even pharaohs and all were worshipped as gods. So here, there was this man who is considered to be God and is worshipped. And interestingly, Jesus, who is God, who became man, brings the disciples to a place where man is considered to be God and asks this interesting question. And the question is, what do people talk about me? Who do they say I am? Now listen, the question is not, who am I? This is not a question of self-identity. Jesus knows who he is. But Jesus is asking them, what are people thinking about me? And how many answers come out? There are four answers. Can you look at those answers? What's the first answer? Some people are saying John the Baptist. Now why did people think Jesus was John the Baptist? John the ba Jesus, like John the Baptist, was a ferocious preacher of righteousness. Everywhere he went, repent, 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 God's kingdom is coming. John the Baptist's message was simply that, repent, otherwise you are going to go to hell. Repent and turn to God. So Jesus was also preaching, so probably some people thought this guy must be John the Baptist. What's the second option? Now why did people think Elijah? Elijah was one man who was known for miracles. No other person in Israelite history, including Moses, did the kind of miracles Elijah did. Well, Elijah is the only person, uh, apart from Elisha, Elisha was his uh, you know, disciple. Elijah is the only person who raised a dead man back to life. You remember that? Now after Elijah, after thousands, hundreds and thousands of, hundreds of years at least, Jesus is the only man again who is doing miracles like nobody has ever seen. He at least raised four people dead, four dead people back to life. So when people looked at him, they thought, this must be Elijah. The spirit of Elijah has come back. So some people thought he was John the Baptist because he was preaching about righteousness and repentance in God's kingdom. Some people thought he was Elijah because he was doing wonderful miracles. And some people thought he wasn't. Why Jeremiah? Because Jeremiah was called as the weeping prophet, right? In fact, he wrote a book called Lamentations. Jesus was also a man of sorrows according to Isaiah 53. Probably every time he preached on hell, Jesus would have wept. And they say there is no other man, apostle, priest or prophet, no other man who preached so much on hell apart from Jesus Christ. The doctrine of hell comes out of the lips of Jesus and I believe every time he preached, he would have cried. You know why? Number one, he is the creator of it. But number two, he is the only person who went through it. My father, my God, my God, why have you? Hell is a place where God forsakes you. That's the only place God forsakes you. Even if you are an atheist, a satanist, whatever, 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 God doesn't forsake you while you are here. Chance is there. Once you die, judgment has already passed. 
So why did that thing Jesus was uh, Jeremiah? Because he was weeping. He looked at Jerusalem. Oh Jerusalem, how many prophets will you kill? If only you knew that this was the time of God's favor. So Jesus wept. So they probably thought Jesus was a weeping concerned prophet. What was the fourth option? What are the prophets? Why? Because Jesus was like the mouthpiece of God. Telling what will happen. So four options came out. Now what is interesting is, the first time Jesus asked the disciples was people's opinion about him. Correct? The second time, he doesn't respond to that question. He goes to disciples and says, but, it's almost like, okay, that's their opinion. Now you guys have been with me for close to some time. Let me ask you this question. Who do you say I am? Or who do you say I am? Now look at the answer Peter gives. Verse 16. What does Peter say? Simon Peter replied. Can we read that please? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus chooses to respond to this answer. And what does Jesus say? Jesus answered him. Yeah? Blessed are you. Stop. Think about it. That's what Jesus is calling a blessing. Blessed are you. Remember, okay? The way we consider blessings and the way God looks at blessings are absolutely different. See, if I get a promotion, I think that's a blessing. If I get some, you know, hike in my salary, I think that's a blessing. If I, let's say, I'm going abroad, I think that's a blessing. Mind you, God considers blessings altogether, or He puts blessings altogether in another category. And Jesus looks at Peter and says, Blessed! Peter, you're a blessed man. You receive the blessing. Why? What is the blessing? Look at this. This is the blessing. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father... Now tell me, what is the blessing in that? Revelation. My friends, when you... Revelation basically is a Latin word, which means to uncover, to unmask. When God uncovers and shows himself to you in God's sight, that is the blessing that you can receive. You know, for my, my kid now, if I give him his thumb to stick in his mouth, he thinks that's, his, that's the greatest thing I can give. But does he not, does he even know what all I want to give him? I, 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 I can literally even sell myself and give him a lot of things. But he doesn't know. But for him, he thinks putting thumb in his mouth is the greatest thing. And whenever I pull it out, he thinks my father doesn't love me, probably in his little mind. But does he even know? Does he even know what things I have in store for him? What plans I have in store for him? Me and my wife, what plans we have in store for him? A lot of times you pray for things God doesn't give you. Remember, everything God doesn't give you is actually a preparation for what he wants to give you. Okay. And I mean, it's, okay, that's not the, that's not the point here. The point here is this. Why is it a blessing to know Jesus in this manner? The blessing is in the revelation. What is the revelation? Look at the revelation. You are, who is Jesus it seems? You are, verse 17, verse 16. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. My friends, look at the order. Jesus said, what are people thinking about me? Some people thought a miracle worker, some people thought a great preacher, some people thought a concerned prophet, or probably one of the big shots like one of the prophets. But Jesus said, you Peter, you are a blessed man because you received the exact truth about me. Who I am is none of those things. All those things I do, but that is not who I am. Are you understanding? Mm-hmm. See, God blesses, but basically he's not just a blesser. God provides, but he's not just a provider. God says, let, let me just go ahead and say this. God saves, but understand, he is not just a savior. He is Christ. What is Christ? The anointed one, the Messiah. In other words, the king. You are the king, the son of the living God. My friends, listen. A lot of people are okay calling Jesus a miracle worker, a preacher, X, Y, Z. They are not even saved. Okay? That's why Jesus doesn't even take, take their opinion. In fact, there are a lot of people who received answers to their prayers, but they were never saved. You know, a lot of people come to Jesus. If, for example, you go to John chapter 2, verse 23, 23, don't turn there. The Bible says, many people believed in his name because of the signs he performed. But Jesus on his part did not enter. What is that? They believed, but Jesus did not enter himself because he knew what was in their heart. Which means what? There are, there is a batch which believe Jesus for miracles. 
And Jesus, you know what? Because he is good, God is good. He makes his rain fall on the righteous and the evil. So he gives. That's common grace. But my friends, God's real revelation, real blessing is for those to whom the Father in heaven reveals and shows who he actually is. In other words, the greatest blessing you and I can ever receive is not what God gives, but is knowing who God is. With me? Now, who is Jesus? Not a savior. Jesus is the king who became a savior. It is not the other way around. It is not a savior who is trying to work his way up to be a king. No! We have a God who is always the king. That is why in Genesis chapter 1 when he created us, he said you go and rule. So you know the word rule, dominion, all those are kingdom words. Because he is a king, he made us in his image. Satan told us a lie in Genesis 3. And the lie was, you will become better than what you are. We became worse than what we were. And the king came down, took the position of a savior to redeem us and prepare us to be the queen or the bride to be married to him because he is the king. Now the point is this, who do you say Jesus is of infinite importance to you, not to him? Because who he is will never change. He is always the king. For example, if you read Daniel chapter 4, Daniel chapter 9 I think. When Daniel gets to vision, he says, I saw one like a son of man who approached the ancient of days. And you know what is written there? It says, entire dominion, power, glory, honor, all those things are for, for are belong to him forever and ever. My friends, we worship a God who is forever a king, who chose to become a savior. Did you get it? That is the revelation. Now, why is it important? It is very, very, very important. Listen to this. We started by saying, why is it that we go into this cycle, constant cycle of sin, repentance coming back to God again. Sin, repentance coming back to God again. And a lot of times, we devise many, many ways in which we can overcome a particular sin. Now, everybody struggles with one or two sins only. David's was lust. Okay? Uh, Saul's was power. Samson's main thing was anger. Paul's was anger. Peter's was foot in the mouth kind of problem. Everybody struggles with one or two sins only. And a lot of times we want to devise new patterns in which we can overcome that one sin. Some of us probably struggle with porn. Some of us may be struggling with masturbation. You want to design new ways to overcome. Listen, that is never going to work. That is not the way you are going to win sin. You know how you will win sin? This is the way you will win sin. Once you know Christ, Jesus as the Christ, which means the King, you know what happens to you? Immediately your position changes. You become the slave. Follow the logic here. Once you know Jesus is not a savior, but Christ who became my savior, he is the king who came to save me. Once you know that what happens is, you will submit to his kingship, lordship. And what happens immediately is, you are dethroned from your heart and suddenly you become the slave. That's why Jesus did not teach us to pray, let your salvation come. What did he teach us to pray? Let your kingdom come. Salvation is a part of it. Understand it? When he is the king, every other thing will fall in place. That's why Ephesians chapter 5. Be filled with the spirit. If you are filled with the spirit, what happens? You look at all... By the way, when you are filled with the spirit, the, it's not the only option is not speaking in tongues. I, I believe in it. But when you filled with the spirit, you read, this is the only exclusive command in the New Testament, Ephesians 5. When you are filled with the spirit, the evidence of being filled with the spirit is a transformed life and transformed interpersonal relationship. And the final thing is, that is when you are ready to fight Satan. That's why when you are filled with the spirit, what happens? Husbands will learn to how to be Christ-like husbands. Wives will learn how to be church-like wives. And what happens? Parents will know how to treat their children. Children will know how to respect their parents. Masters will know how to treat their employees. And slaves will know how to treat their masters. And then in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10, Paul says, finally, finally, now that you have been filled with the spirit and you are living a life that is in accordance with the kingdom and the order of God, now you are ready to fight Satan. Because if you are not filled, if you are filled with the spirit, if you are not filled with the spirit, your, your your family life is not in order, your personal life is not in order, and when that is not in order, you are not ready to fight Satan because Satan has already encroached into your life. How by changing the order that God has placed in your life? Are we together so far? Okay. The so first thing is this: Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the Living God. And by the way. All of us, whoever is saved here, you don't mind calling Jesus your savior. You don't even mind calling Jesus the only God. 
the only son of the living God. You believe in Trinity, you believe in Holy Spirit, you believe in the power of the Spirit. But listen, the problem, the solution doesn't come from there. The solution comes when you acknowledge him as the Christ. Because as soon as you acknowledge him as the Christ, what happens is you have to dethrone yourself. If you have two heads, you are a monster. If you have no head, you are dead. Therefore, you must decide who the master is, who the Lord is. Whoever is the Lord, now his kingdom will come. See, Jesus did not say, first, help us overcome evil, lead us not into temptation. They are all part of his kingdom. When he is the king, let your kingdom come until when you are the king, kingdom has come. When his kingdom has come, then very next thing is what? Let your kingdom come. It's easy for us. When he is the king, he will take your will. By the word, he will take your will, transform your will and he will, that's what it says in Romans chapter 12 verse 1 and 2. Present your bodies, because by the mercies of God, present your bodies, and then what happens? You will be transformed by the renewing of your will. Then what will happen? What a thing that is, you are saying, show me a will, show me a will. God will say, you know what? You will mature to such a position where you yourself will test and approve, this is God's will, this is not God's will. See, when David was fighting Goliath, he did not take one day fasting prayer camp and say, God, this is your will or not, should I fight him or not? He knew damn sure this guy is out of God's will, kill him. Why? Because he belonged to the king. God's kingdom was already in him. His, his mind was already being transformed, renewed. You tell me. What do, what do wild animals eat? What will a lion eat? A lion came to eat sheep, boss. That's the cycle God placed. But not his sheep. It is under David's authority. David knew. David knew from that very moment. When God has given me something, it is my responsibility to take care of it. And that's why he says, no, Saul, you don't know. Once upon a time, a lion came to steal away my sheep. I went after it. I took who will go after it? After all, that's the cycle God placed. What do lions eat? What, what lions eat? What grass or what? Normal was. But you know what he says? Not under my kingdom. Not under my kingdom. Which young person will run after a lion just to save a sheep? Which is the natural cycle God placed. This man knew exactly what God wants him to do. Why? Because God is the king in his mind. And the king is there, kingdom will come, his will easily will be done. So you and I want to try and fight with sin, that will never, we will never be able to overcome sin. Anger, lust, jealousy, envy, quarreling, lack of transparency, lack of integrity, fear, acts, talk about anything, it will never work that way. First thing is decide who Jesus is. Is he just your savior? If he's just your savior, he's never going to rule in your life. If he is the Christ, which means the king, then the order will follow. Are you with me? We are okay to call Jesus our living God, the only son of the living God, savior, but that doesn't work. You must acknowledge who he is, the Christ, the king. When he is the king, the rest of things will fall in place. Okay? Let's go to the next thing. So first thing is, who do you say Jesus is? Next thing is in verse 18. Verse 18. Okay, verse 17. What does Jesus say? Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Why? For? Now, flesh and blood is basically what? Your reasoning, your understanding, your analysis, your experiences. Your experiences, your analysis, your reasoning can only bring you so far. You call either Jesus a miracle worker, a preacher, a weeping person or a great prophet. You will not say that as a Christian, but semi-consciously that's what you are believing. Hmm. That is when you are not able to... You know, we sing this song. Oh my God, he's great. You sing that song? Oh, mountains, yeah, mountains. Why mountains? Why, why are you not able to overcome a small sin? What about mountains? Why? You see, that's the problem. We may say it. We may say it. We may profess it. But we truly don't have the knowledge of the truth. The revelation of the truth. You remember in Acts chapter, uh, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10, what is the one offensive, uh, uh, one offensive uh, ammunition among the in the armor of God? What is the what is it called? The sword of the spirit. You know the word there that was used there is not logos, rema. Particular revelation that you need for that particular sin or particular area of knowledge. That's what God gives particularly when He is the King. He will give the revelation that you need to overcome whatever that is. So the question here is, in all of your lives, is Jesus your Savior or is He the Christ? And He is the Christ, my friends. The rest of the things will be in their place. You don't have to dictate to them. They will be there. Remember, when Jesus walked to a place where there are demon-possessed people, what is the general scenario? What do they do, demon-possessed people? 
They start shouting. And one of the things they would usually say was, You see, when Jesus is Jesus and Christ is Christ, they will scream out and say, Please don't send us to hell. Are you with me? See, God doesn't need publicity. Leonard Ravel used to say, Fire doesn't need publicity. Everybody knows the power of fire. God doesn't need it. Let him be the Christ in your life. Everything else will be in order. Everything else will set in its place. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. He is not just the living God, the savior. The Christ, the king, the anointed one, the ruler, the one who must have dominion, power, glory, honor in us. And then things will fall in place. Verse 18. Uh, verse, uh, yeah, verse 18. And I tell you, you are Peter. Okay, by the way. By the way, second question. First question is, who do you say Jesus is? Second question is, how can anyone receive that revelation? How can anyone receive that revelation? How did Peter receive that revelation? Here? No, here in this passage. How did he know that uh, Jesus is the Christ? From his father. Now, I want to ask you this. How does the father speak? How does the father speak? How does God speak? Some of you are so doubtful. I am telling you, I could be, I could sit for a debate, but I will never back off. My only conviction is, God speaks only through his word. Now you might ask then, did God come and whisper in his ears? He revealed it to him. But how does God reveal things to us today? Go to First Corinthians chapter two. First Corinthians two. Look at these words written by Apostle Paul. First Corinthians two, verse nine to sixteen. Verse nine. But as it is written, what no eye has, no ear has, no heart of man has. Imagine. Look at those things. Which means basically, humanly, what is impossible. Those are the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. Right? You must have heard this word, unconditional love. It is rather questionable. Okay? <laughs> you can, uh, we, we can sometimes it can talk. Those are the things God has prepared for those who love Him. Now, you, usually we might want to stop there. Which means there are things that God has prepared for those who, which no eye has seen, no, in other words, to put it in another way, which no man can conceive with all his ability. They would Atlantic has prepared. Atlantic one night. Now look at verse 10. These things, what did God do? Reveals. Revealed to us, Paul is saying. Now the New Testament was still being written. The Bible was still incomplete at the time. But Paul is saying, these are the things God has revealed to us. How did he reveal? Look at verse, yeah, the next part. Through the Spirit. Why? For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. So there is only one person who can search the depths of God. And who is that? Spirit of God. Now look at verse 11. He gives a nice illustration. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of the person, which is in him. Fair enough? Nobody knows what you are actually thinking right now. Right? Only your spirit knows. Fair enough. So, so no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the see, not only does the spirit search the depths of the heart of God, he even comprehends, knows, only the spirit of God. Now look at verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God that we might understand the things freely given us by God. Just to make it, uh, just to cut it short, let's just go to the last verse. I have many more things to say. Verse 16. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to, you know, Paul is literally stripping this off, taking this off from Isaiah 40 and putting it here. He's saying, you know, in Isaiah 40, there's a passage which talks about the greatness of God. Paul is saying, God in that passage challenges saying, Who can teach me counsel? I am the omniscient God. I know everything. And not only do I know everything, I ordain everything. I am the one who declares the end from the beginning. Paul takes that. And in this passage, see what he says. Who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? What's the last part of the verse? We have my goodness. My friends, can I say this with authority of the scripture to all of us? You and I have the complete mind of Christ that we ought to receive on this side of eternity. There's nothing God has not done. That's why 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 1 to 3 says, 
by his divine power he has granted to us all things pertaining to life and godliness in other words there is no area in your life which God has not already revealed his will to you it is your job now to work hard to study the scriptures to know what is his will regarding any area of your life that's why in 2 Timothy 2 7 Paul says think on these things and for God will give you understanding or insight it is by thinking that God gives understanding as we submit our mind to the scriptures so the first question is who is Jesus to you that will solve the issue if Jesus is just the savior you are going nowhere you just received your forgiveness of sins but you will die in the wilderness never reaching the promised land or if you reach the promised land you will never see to it that the kingdom of God comes because you are constantly fighting sin who is Jesus to you number one Number two, how do you come to that conclusion that Jesus is the Christ, the King? Only the scriptures can constantly reveal God's truth to you. There is no other way you can know. Third, what will Christ do? This is very important. Please pay attention. Verse 18 to 19. What will Christ do? Look at verse 18. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Unfortunately, this verse has been misinterpreted for many, 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 almost ages and there has been a very wrong teaching come out of it. Jesus is not saying, Peter, you are the rock and on you I am going to build the kingdom of God. You know, have you seen some jokes, Christian jokes, when the person dies and he goes to heaven, who is at the entrance of that? <laughs> Why? Because it is constructed of a misinterpretation of this verse. The verse does not say, you are Peter, and on you I will build the, I will build the church. What Jesus is saying here is, you know in Greek, Peter and rock have the same common root word, Petra, rock, rock. Jesus is trying to tell Peter, Peter, you received this revelation, right? And mind you, on this rock, which means on this foundation. And what is the foundation? What is the foundation? Everybody, what is the foundation? That Jesus is not a miracle worker, not just a preacher, not just a prophet, not just a you know, weeping person. He is the king, the king and the son of the living God. Are you with me? Oh, and that is the foundation on which Jesus said he will build the church. That's why many churches don't grow because the foundation is not that Jesus is the savior, Jesus is the healer, Jesus is the financial advisor, Jesus is the marriage bureaucrat. Nonsense. That is not Jesus. That is not the Jesus of the heaven and the earth. That is not the Jesus who died on the cross. That is a false Jesus. You don't want to know who Jesus is? Can I say this, say this to you? Some of you probably are staying in hostel. Some of you are thinking, what's my past, what's my future? Let me tell you. God has already decided it for you. He wants to get the foundation right. Get it right. Get it right. And you will see amazing things coming your way. Amazing things. You never know. You, ne- you know what in Christian life? Things will always get better and better and better. That's the way you enter eternity. Because eternity is always going to be awesome. Are you understanding? I don't know who is speaking to you in your mind. A lot of times we are listening, we are listening to Satan. And we don't even know that we are listening to Satan. We will see. We will come to say Peter's part. But mind you my friends, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you because this is the truth. Truth always sets you free. Why? To serve Christ. And here the truth is this. On this foundation, if in your heart, in your mind, the foundation is Jesus is not a savior. Jesus is not just the son of the living God. He is the Christ, the king, the only ruler. Pastor very well said it that day in the church. Pastor James. It's actually not the game of thrones. It's the battle. Battle of thrones. Battle of thrones. And it is a battle. From Genesis 3, it has been a battle. It will be a battle till we die. But thankfully, for the redeemed, the battle is already won. If we listen to the truth, you will stand and live and walk in victory. My friends, when God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, were they under God's control or still under Pharaoh's control? Huh? And why is it that at some places they lost the battles? Every place they did not acknowledge Christ as the king, they lost. See, when you acknowledge Christ as the king, what happens is, ultimately, immediately you become the slave. And you submit to his law. And who does not win when when they submit to God's law, my friends? See, by our strength, we cannot submit to God's law. When he becomes the Christ, through his spirit, he takes over our will. And by the power of the word, he will teach us how to walk in his grace. That's what he says, right, in Ezekiel. 
prophesying about a national revival he said i will put a, 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 a new i'll give them a new heart new spirit and then he says i will teach them to walk in my ways my friends if god doesn't teach na even after you listen to this message you can't walk in god's ways it will still be the same cycle how many of us not have not i'm sure you would have been listening to pastor james much more and pastor vijay much more than me you would have received some amazing revelations why is it that there's no transformation say revelation jesus did not say truth will set you free when you know the truth knowledge of the truth will set you free with me knowledge must take over your mind that's when freedom set into our lives so the second first question is who is jesus to you christ or not second question is how do you know that only through the scriptures third reason third question is this third question is what will jesus do number one number one jesus will build his church primarily on that foundation if that foundation is not there that is a life that jesus is not building they are saved but jesus is not building can that happen can saved people live in uh, uh, defeat hello can you turn to one verse first kings chapter 5 look at this i wish whenever we preach time moves a little slowly you know <laughs> i wish chapter 6 pastor chapter 6 look at this very very important verse First Kings chapter six verse one. In the four hundred and eightieth year after the people of Israel came out of the land of now, how many years had it been passed since the Israelites have been delivered from Egypt? Four hundred and eighty years. Now you tell me. I'll ask you a question. Why did God bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? It there can be several reasons, and then we will go to the final main reason. What does God tell Moses? Go bring my people so that hello, they may. That is the single reason. Okay, God saves you so that you become a worshiping community. Yes or no? Now, how many years has it passed since uh, they came? In other words, to put it in our words, how many years has it go, has it been since they were saved as a nation? Four hundred eighty years it has been, but you know what? They never built a temple. Worship didn't begin. Worship didn't begin. Let's let, let's read this. It is interesting. In the four hundred and eightieth year, after came out of the land of Egypt, in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel, in the month of Ziv, which is the second month, he began to build the. My friends, listen. Until the house of the Lord is built, the worship of the Lord will not begin. You can be a saved person, but you do not know what worship is. By the way, worship has very little to do with singing. Okay, the first time and the last time worship appears in the Bible, Genesis 22 and Revelation 13 or 14, it's nothing connected with singing. First time it is about Abraham; he goes to kill his son. That is worship. Wow! Last time, Revelation 13, and the word worship appears from heaven. The bowls of judgment are being thrown down. People are dying here, and they are worshiping there. Saying, "Righteous are you, O God, and righteous are your judgments." Wow, worship has very little to do with singing, my friends. Now, the point, I'm, the point, the Bible is making here is this: four hundred and eighty years has been since they were saved as a nation. Salvation was not but worship didn't come because the house of the Lord was not built because the king has not come yet. See, God didn't tell our prophets to build the temple. God didn't tell our priests to build the temple. God didn't tell our judges to build it. The, they were all shadows of Christ. Christ is our savior. Christ is our priest. Christ is the prophet. Christ is the judge. But understand, only the king laid the foundation for the temple. You can be saved and cannot have the temple of God being built in you unless he becomes the king in your life. And once he becomes the king, that's why Jesus says, "You understood that I am the king, the Christ. I will build the church now." on that rock when christ becomes the king in your life the solo supreme single monarch ruler in your life that is when he will lay the foundation and the foundation stone in the temple of the lord in a believer is is christ the king and when he when that foundation is laid four things jesus said what did he say look at uh, uh, the passage that we are looking at matthew 16 verse 18 and i tell you you are peter and on this rock four things i number one listen look at me nobody can build your spiritual life only god can 
Stop trying to build it. That's the number one mistake we make. As the, and Satan is very happy when you are trying to build. <laughs> See, you are not saved from sin to help yourself to live a holy life. Stop building your Christian life. Jesus must. That is why who is the king? You see, even after salvation, we can still try to do it by our strength. Not by strength, not by mind, but by mind. Let him be the king. I, number two, will. He will. It's a divine must. It will happen. Three, what? I will. I will. Now, it is both the process and the project. He will complete it one day. But he will build it each day. So number one, Jesus only will build. Number two, he will build. Number three, he will build. It's both a process and a project. And what is he going to build? Huh? Louder please. Who is the church? You know what is the Greek word of church? Ecclesia means what? Called out from where? You called out from everything that doesn't belong to God and you become a property of God. You know in Jesus' times, slavery was a common thing. And slaves were treated as what? Property. You see, if I hit the... What's the name? Huh? Mahesh, if I hit... Mahesh, I have to say sorry to Mahesh. But if I hit this chair, will I say sorry? It's a property. This has no rights over it. It's, I mean, it's a property. Slaves were treated like that. And Jesus is saying, once I become the king, you become my property. You have no rights over your life. I have a very gospel. The core of the gospel is, you have no rights over yourself. What is this? What, what, what are the self-pity claims that you are praying about? We listen to either half gospel or wrong gospel. The complete gospel is you die to yourself. I will see, once God becomes your father, you are dead. You are dead. That's the gospel. That's the core of the gospel. And that is what Jesus showed us in his life. He died. Philippians chapter 2, right? Submitting to the will of the father. See, at the core, in our hearts, at the core, all believers believe a lie that Satan once whispered in Genesis 3. You know what that lie is? God is not good. Deep down. Why are we afraid otherwise? Why are we afraid? Deep down somewhere, God is not good. Or not trustworthy. He has to prove to me to be trustworthy. We still believe that lie. And once Christ becomes the king, he will build by laying that cornerstone. And on that, he will build his church. Jesus will not build any and every church. I am not just talking about church as a community, even individuals. He will not build any and every church until, until 480 years have passed by. Does God not know that they should build a temple? And you know what? When Solomon builds the temple, what happens when he offers the sacrifices? The glory of the Lord descended. That is, every Christian must have the glory of the Lord, boss. Watchman, he wrote a book called The Normal Christian Life. Because the summary of the book is when Paul said, Follow me as I follow Christ. Watchman, his summary is basically, that should be the normal Christian life. Paul is not a superhero. That should, how everybody live. Why are we not able to live? Why are we only finding few people here and there? Why? Simply because we have not been given the full gospel. Either wrong gospel or half gospel. Full gospel is this. He is Jesus, the Christ. He is Jesus, the Lord. Are you with me? So the third question is, third question is, what will Jesus do? What will Jesus do? First of all, he must lay the foundation. What is the foundation? Rock. What is the immovable rock in a Christian's life? He saved you to become your king. He is not a savior who became a king. He is a king who became a savior. So he is the king who redeemed you. And why did he redeem you? To bring you back into his kingdom. Are you with me? Did I say, let's not get there. I will build my church. Let, let, let's uh, let's keep uh, reading it. Uh, I will build my church. Uh, and immediately what does he say? Okay, can we read this together please? And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And then after that? I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth, whatever you lose in on earth. My friends, as soon as Jesus said I will build, he almost puts it in the context of a conflict battle. Immediately he says, the first thing as I am building, the gates of hell will stand there. But know this, they will not prevail against you. They will not prevail. You know, I am reading through the book of Acts. Every time they perform a miracle, Satan attacked them back, that is the apostles. And they know where they go? They go to the prison. You know what? They go to the prison because God takes them, because people have to be saved there. It is amazing. It is amazing. So the point here is this, he will build his church, 
And the very thing that God wants you to know is this. Forget about sin. The gates of hell shall not prevail against you. Again, we must put it in its context. When, when Christ is the king. When on that foundation you are being built. Otherwise, forget about the gates of hell. Even small sins. Small sins can take over you. Gates of hell shall not prevail. What is the gate? It's the passage. Death will not have control over you. And who is the one who has, who keeps people in the fear of death? Satan will not have control over you. And in Revelation, Jesus says, right? I am the one who died, who is alive. Forevermore, I have the keys of the... Yeah. Yeah. Now see, God always has the keys. But Jesus there is speaking as a man, God. God, man. And he's saying, I will give you the keys of the sin of hell and death shall not prevail against you. And the second thing he says is, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. You know, now please, there could be some extreme interpretations to it, but I want to interpret it in the way I understood it and I feel and I believe it is the right thing. The keys of the what does the key do? Open. What is the kingdom of heaven? Go to God. The keys of the kingdom, which means the gospel message has been given to the church. If anybody should preach the gospel, it is the church. Either through evangelist, teachers, pastors, prophets, whoever it is, it is the church that was preached. And how will you preach? When the kingdom of God is being built in you, people will see the gospel. Or who was the Francis of Assisi? Preach the gospel at all times, when necessary. Use words. Use words. <laughs> we only use words. We never preach the gospel. There is a gospel that you preach without using the words. When people see the extraordinary life, you know, when the Queen of Sheba came to Solomon, the Bible says she was not just amazed about the wisdom of Solomon, but everything. Everything that was there. Why would Paul otherwise say whether you eat or drink, do it all unto the? Yeah. Another last time we drank for the glory of God. Another last time we went to the gym for the glory of God. You see, glory of God doesn't mean doing new things. It is not a new action, a new attitude. You begin to brush your teeth for a different reason. You begin to wake up on time for a different reason. You begin to uh, everything for a different reason. And Jesus said, I will build the church. But the foundation stone must be Christ. He is the king of your life. And on that church, and on that, he will build the church, and hell will not prevail against the gates of hell, and he will give the kingdom peace, and which means you will proclaim the gospel through your life. And you know what happens? Whatever you bind on earth will be born, whatever you lose on earth will be born. The meaning of that, my friends, primarily, primarily, it can be made, but primarily in this context is this. You will so be in alignment with the word of heaven. Whatever God thinks, you will think. Whatever God wants to bind, you will bind. That is what Jesus is trying to say there. Because he is the king. And when he is, that's why Jesus in John 15 also he says, right? If you are in me and my words are in you, ask whatever you wish. You know, once he becomes the king in your life and once his word is in you, there is no way you are going to ask anything outside of his will. It is so much so that you will say, my will is God's will. Did you understand? Because you will come in, in, in such an alignment to God, you will say, my will is God's will. Are we still together? Let's go to the next one. Verse 20. We are supposed to close by 7. And are we supposed to close? Okay, we will close with this last two. Then, then, he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the what a strange thing. Suddenly, just now, Father revealed it to them through the Holy Spirit that He is the Christ, the Son of the Living God. Jesus himself says, Shabash, you understood? This is the number one point. And because you understood, you know what? I am going to build every church or my church, all the believers on this truth and all of that. And suddenly, Jesus turns to them and says, you know what? Don't tell this to anybody. Why? Why? You know why? There are a couple of rivers we will not go there. But the simple truth is this. Jesus as the Christ was only known to them in their minds. They haven't fully seen the gospel being completed yet. They're in their minds, in their minds when they think of Jesus as the Christ, they're thinking of Jesus as a physical or, or, or as a physical messiah. Right? Physical messiah. So they're thinking Jesus will come down and now that he has come, he will be like the David of our times. He is going to demolish every other nation and Israel will once again become the superpower and we will rule. That's why they send their mother saying, Mama, go ask Jesus, I want to be on the right, brother, my brother will be on the left. <laughs> Give us the kingdom. Jesus on the last day of the, the, the last supper, he's telling them, I will die and all of that, and I will resurrect on the third day. And what was the hot topic in the room? Who will be the greatest? <laughs> they didn't understand. That's why Jesus told them, don't. And you remember when after the uh, after the experience on the Mount of Transfiguration, while they were coming down, what does Jesus say? Don't tell this vision to anyone until until the Son of Man is risen. 
My friend, the fourth thing is this. Which gospel do you believe? First one is, who do you say Jesus is? By the way, are you all understanding or I am just feeling happy that I am preaching? <laughs> are you all with me? <laughs> so number one, is Jesus your savior, only the savior or the king who became your savior, right? Number two, how can you know? Only through the scriptures. The spirit of God today, there is no revelation that you can receive apart from the Holy Spirit and the spirit of God will not speak apart from the scriptures. Now you might say, what about dreams, visions? Let me just give you one thing that Jonathan Edwards said. He says, if extra biblical revelations, they are in alignment with the scripture, they are needless. If they are not in alignment with the scripture, they are <laughs> so keep that in mind. God will speak. The word is his mouthpiece. God will speak through the word. Don't trust him. That's why Peter says, Peter who has been on the Mount of Transfiguration, who has experienced Jesus' glory with his physical eyes, says, please, please, you have something much more certain, much more certain. And what is that? The word of prophecy. And again, the word of prophecy there doesn't mean prophets giving prophecy. He's talking to the Old Testament as the word of prophecy as the scripture. We stand on the scripture. And that is the one thing Satan doesn't want you to stand on. The whole debate in Genesis chapter 3 was about the word of God to discredit the character of God. So the fourth thing is this. Which gospel do you believe? You know the gospel that they believed was that Jesus was the physical messiah. He's going to kill people and he will establish the kingdom. I will be on the left, he will be on the right and somehow we will share the entire universe as our property and we will begin to rule every other nation because as Jews, we are the superior race. Because that's, kind of, that's the kind of mind they had. That's why Jesus said, don't die. Don't go and teach the... Don't go and tell anybody. And you know what? Listen. Once Jesus died and resurrected, once he went up into heaven and the spirit of God came down, you know, their message changed. Acts 2.36, what does Peter preach? This God, this Jesus whom you crucified? Has made God and Christ. Christ. What does James write? James, the brother of Jesus Christ, who he didn't even probably like Jesus. What does it write? James chapter 1 verse 1. James, the servant of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. What does Paul write in Philippians chapter 2? Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And you know what he says there? For the glory of God. What's, what, what brings God glory, you know, in a believer's life? When you confess that Jesus is Lord. And by the way, confession is not a profession. When it becomes a practice, that's when it brings glory to God. So the fourth thing is this. Which gospel do you believe? Do you believe in the gospel after the death, burial and resurrection of Christ? Or do you believe in the gospel? Because most people believe in the gospel before the death, burial and resurrection of Christ. Though they say in the name of Jesus, they are basically going back to the miracle work of Jesus. Now the resurrected Jesus who is now the ruler who wants to rule in your life through his word. Which I had time. Let me just close with this. Look at, uh, look at the next verse, verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show the disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Fifth question, what's the centrality of the gospel? What's the core of the gospel? The core of the gospel is death, burial, and resurrection, which will be repeated here and also in eternity. That's why they are singing in the in the heaven, in heaven, what is the what is the song? What is the lamb that was slain and and, and, and that goes on. It's a chorus. It's like a, a, a refrain that will never end. Why is it important for the disciples to know from that time Jesus began to show? Before that Jesus never told about his death, burial and resurrection. Once they understood that he is the king, the Christ, they got excited. And Jesus said, you know what, now that you know who I am, let me tell you what I do. Let me tell you how I establish my kingdom. The way I establish my kingdom is not by killing, but by dying. Dying, burial and resurrection is one thing that is repeated in the life of a believer every day. Jesus' death brought us forgiveness. Jesus' life brought us power to kill the old man. Go to one verse and I will close with this. First Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians chapter 15 verse, look at verse uh, 30 45. 45. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a Now who is the first uh, Adam? Adam. Who is the last Adam? Jesus. Come to verse 47. The first man was from the earth, 
a man of dust. The second man is from Adam. Who is the second, first man? Adam. Who is the second man? Now, why is Jesus Christ not called the last man and the second Adam? Why is he called the last Adam and the second man? Some of you are looking at me like I gave you a tongue twister. Let me repeat the question. Why is Jesus Christ called the second Adam and the last man? Why is he not called the... Sorry, why is he called the last Adam and the second man? Why is he not called the second Adam and the last man? Why? Because in Jesus Christ, he is called the... What, what is he called the last Adam? In Jesus Christ, Adamic nature ends. In Christ, therefore, whoever is in Christ is a. See, in Christ, in Christ, once you are a saved, once you are a saved person, once Christ becomes the king in your life, old nature will not have power over you, unless you go and submit because of the lack of the knowledge of truth, or because you fall to the temptations of sin, because you are not equipped by the word of God. In Christ, Adamic nature comes to an end. That's why he is called the last Adam. From there. The second man comes. The new man comes. I wish I could say that was mine. That's watchman knees. Okay? In Christ, my friends, what happens is, Jesus, you know what Jesus said? Don't tell anybody. I'm going to die. I'm going to resurrect on the third day. Why is it so central? Because in him, our sins are forgiven. In him, we are given eternal life. But that is exercised in the life of a believer each day. Each day, through the word of God, by faith, the Spirit of God will give you the power to die to your old man and to live in the strength of the Jesus, in strength of Jesus in your new man. And they have not experienced it yet. It's very much possible for people to do lots of things, even powerful, powerful ministry like miracles, and never experience the resurrection power of Christ. Why? All these people did. If you read Matthew 10, Judas also went and performed miracles. Was he saved? The next thing, what is the central message of the gospel you have received? That Jesus not only forgives sins, he gives you the power, the power to live a brand new life. But it all begins, remember, we didn't finish, there are more, we didn't finish, but it all begins with the number one question. Is he the Christ? If he is the Christ, my friends, you understand it through the scriptures day after day. What happens to you will be, you will receive the right gospel and you will walk in the power of the spirit each day. And then the remaining things that Jesus said, no, will become easy to you. Deny yourself, take up the cross, die to yourself. Those things will become natural to you. Really. Very, very natural. See, without planting a seed, it is impossible to expect a tree to come out. Irrespective of how powerful a man of God you are. Irrespective of how much prayer life you have. That's why most of our prayers go in vain. Why? Because the seed of the revelation that Jesus is not just the Savior, but the Christ, the Lord, has not fallen probably in most of us. And that's why we want to fight sin our way. And we never win. And Satan is happy keeping you fighting like that. And you will become, I will become a legalist. Mm-hmm. Like Pharisees. Why is it that they did so much, so much, yet Jesus called them the sons of the devil. They were not this okay, by the way. They were the only religious ones available on planet at that time. <laughs> Jesus looked at them and said, you are Satan's children. Who can say that? Let's look to God. Let's bow down. Let's bend our knees. Let's ask the Lord. Lord, don't just be my savior. Be who you are. Be the king of my life. Be the king of my life. Be the king of my life. Come Lord. Be the Lord of my life. Be the Lord of my life. I am deceived. I am deceived. By listening to the lies of Satan. By listening to the lies of the old nature, Adamic nature. By listening to the lies that are being bombarded at me through the society that I live in. By listening to my past. By listening to my uh, inex- by listening to my defeat. By listening to so many things. But I want to stop it, Lord. I want to stop it. I want to be. I want to be set by you. Blessed are you. Blessed are you, Peter. Blessed are you. Uh, you know whatever your name is. Blessed are you because my Father revealed that to you. Has not the Father revealed that to us today? He did. He did. But let's not be like Peter, whose mouth was hijacked by Satan immediately. Because he received the revelation, but he didn't embrace it. Let's embrace it. Let's say, Lord, I want to trust you. I'm counting on you today. You saved me. You saved me. Why is it, Lord, my life is not being built according to the purposes that you have in mind? 
Why is it that my life is not like the temple that Solomon built in which your glory descended? Why Lord? Why? Please Lord. I don't want to just profess and say that you are my Lord, my King. But I want your kingdom to come. Your will be done as it is done in heaven. And the angels in heaven wait to do your will. They are just waiting there to do your will. It's their joy to do your will. In that manner I pray that your will will be done in my life. And all that you said will happen when you will begin to build my life when the foundation stone is correct. Lord, remove all sorts of small stones that I put there, Lord. All these petty ideas that I have about you. You are my savior, you give me a good life, you will erase my past. Lord, you have much more to do in my life. You are the king. <coughs> Destroy the voice of Satan in my life by the power of the truth of your word. Father, we want to thank you this evening. Thank you. Your word is powerful, your word is true. I pray, O oh Lord, that your word will take deep root in our lives. Holy Spirit God, invade our lives. And I pray that you will establish your kingdom. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth, in our lives, as it is in heaven. For the glory, the power, and the honor of your only Son, Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen.